Coast2Coast.io. Welcome to the Coast to Coast Podcast. We are back here with episode 22. I'm your host, Kyle Creasy, and today I am actually bringing on my two new co-hosts, one being Emmett Ernsberger and the other being Luke Walker. Guys, these two, uh, with the plans to kind of expand the pod, these two just kind of hit me up, known them for a very long time. Uh, We got to talking immediately, both very interested, both very motivated to do this. Two guys I definitely trust, so so excited to have them both on. So Emmett and Luke, just real quick, could you kind of introduce yourselves to the audience? Just tell them a little bit, a little bit about yourselves, and just kind of how excited you are to be a part of this pod and go forward with it. Uh, I'm Emmett. Uh, I'm a student at the University of Tennessee. Podcast has always been on my to-do list. I've always been intrigued by it. I'm real big into basketball, all sorts of sports. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, and my name's Luke. Uh, I'm 20 years old. I'm a student at Pellissippi State Community College, and Right now, I'm in pursuit of getting a degree in sports media. So, you know, obviously, a sports sports podcast has always been of interest to me. And uh, I'm a really big sports fan in general. So I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah, really excited to have you both. Um, really excited that we were able to already quickly go into our first podcast together. So today, you know, we've got some interesting topics today. Obviously, we got to talk about some of the Kevin Durant news, uh, some updates that we got, crazy stuff going on. Uh, with him and the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, then we want to talk about some extensions, who's eligible, whether it be uh, rookie-scale contract guys that have one year left or vets that have a year left or even guys that might have two years left, um, just all kinds of stuff there. And then lastly, we want to end it off uh, for the next, I don't know if we're going to do five episodes or five weeks because we might do two episodes in a week, but some capacity of that sort. We will rank our top 10 going into this season at every single position. Um, That'll have a little bit of a mixture of how did they do this past year? How do we think they progress going into this year? A little bit of everything. It's also going to be where will they start uh, in the lineup this year? That way, you know, we could have a lot of subjectivity on some of these guys and what position they technically are. So to make it simple, we are going to do what position will they start at uh, when they play this year. So um, first things first, man, getting into it, the Kevin Durant stuff the other day, um, we find out that uh, Kevin Durant reiterates that he wants to be out of there, um, tells the report is that he told Joe Sy, the owner of the Brooklyn Nets, that he can either choose him or he can choose to keep Sean Marks, who's the GM, and Steve Nash, the head coach. Um my my initial thoughts on this was I think it's a bluff, and I think it's just Kevin Durant's just trying to spark some noise uh, to get himself out of Brooklyn still. Uh, he noticed that talks are kind of dying down. Brooklyn still thinks that they have a lot of leverage here with him having four years left on his contract. Uh, what did you two make of the news uh, as soon as you saw it? Um, you know, my first thought was kind of like what you said. You know, uh, KD is reiterating that he wants out of Brooklyn. Uh, you know, trade talks die down. You come out and give your owner an ultimatum. I mean, that's that's going to draw headlines and that's going to kind of spark discussion of uh, what needs to happen next. And, I, you know, I think for Kevin Durant, you know, the biggest thing is he he wants this trade. He wants this trade badly. Um, and so, so I really think, you know, I, I think it's kind of a bluff as well. Uh, you know, it, it is pretty crazy to see somebody like, you know, on Kevin Durant's level, that type of superstar come out and give the owner of the team that you're playing for an ultimatum. So that's, that's kind of my, my thought on it. It's where I'm at right now, but it's crazy stuff, man. I mean, I'm 
definitely leaning towards it's a bluff. I think he's definitely just it's a last ditch effort to get traded. But at the same time, I can kind of see both sides because it feels like for the past year or so, we've been seeing a lot of negativity towards Steve Nash. But I just I can't imagine it's a smart choice to get rid of the entire front office and staff this late in the offseason. That's that's kind of why I think myself and others, and I think both of you agree that it probably is a bluff, mm-hmm. is that this if he really wanted out and that was a big reason why this could have been a proposal a month ago or even farther back. It didn't have to be something that was brought up now a few weeks before five weeks, five, six weeks before training camp. And then the season's in full stride another month later. So maybe if he did it back then, maybe I would think there's more validity to it. Um, I can totally understand the frustration with Steve Nash And just to kind of go back and remind some people, yes, Kyrie and KD definitely had a lot of say in who they brought in as coach. Yes, they both ended up being on board for the hiring of Steve Nash, but he was by no means their first selection. So let's just make sure we have everything straight. It wasn't like they went out and said, this is our guy, bring him in right now. So just to kind of remind people on that, and um, I just think that he's kind of saying Sean Marks along with it because Sean Marks is so close with Steve Nash. Uh, they played together in Phoenix. They've had a great relationship since to where like he knows that they're not going to get rid of just one. So if there is any validity to it, that's why I think he said both. Um, you know, Josai goes out and tweets afterwards um, that he's fully backing up and behind his front office and his coaching staff Uh I didn't think that that was the smartest thing that you could do if you were in his shoes, especially considering no one had necessarily confirmed or denied the report yet. Now, I mean, we pretty much knew it was true. It was coming straight from Shams. But just the fact that no one had really addressed it yet and he felt the need to go tweet about it, did, didn't think it was a good move. Um, what would you guys do if you were in Joe Sy's place right now? Just, can, just, just, just going off of what KD – kind of what was reported that Katie said the other day. I actually kind of like the tweet. Like it's, it's super outlandish, kind of a little bit ridiculous, but it's, it seems like a power move. He's almost trying to embarrass Katie where it's like, Hey, I, I still run this. Like it's still my team, but I mean, he might have dug in, dig, dug the hole a little bit too deep. Like it's, it's an iffy subject, but I, I kind of like the tweet a little bit. Yeah. And you I, know, I totally sorry, Luke, but I totally like understand where you're coming from, and it is a power move. But if you know Kevin Durant's not going to come back, and you really are trying to trade him and get the most value possible, then you kind of making that power move doesn't help anything in that sense. Yeah, he he has ruined the trade value a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I I really see the the tweet response to be unnecessary. I mean, I get it. You know, you're the owner of the team and your franchise guy who has already been adamant that he wants a trade. Uh, you know, there's reports that he's publicly calling for the job of the head coach and the GM. So, you know, do I think it was a necessary response on Twitter? No, I would have rather just seen it be handled behind closed doors. But at the same time, if you're Joe Sy and your your guy's giving you that ultimatum, I mean, what other choice do you have but to come out and publicly go back at him? It's like you said, you know, nothing was confirmed yet, but we all really knew it, it was it was it was uh, legitimate. So, 
you know, I, I don't have too much of an issue with it. It's not how I would have wanted to go about the situation ideally, but I don't think anything about this situation is ideal. So it, it kind of reminds me of, I know it's not the same situation, but it kind of reminds me of the LeBron versus was it at, was his last name Griffin? Something like no, that. It One wasn't of the David Griffin. Oh, oh my gosh. I'm trying Dan, to Dan Gilbert. Gilbert. Yeah. 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 They kind of just went back and forth. And I it's it's reminded me a lot of that. I definitely see the similarities um in terms of just like public, I don't know if like beef is the word, but just public dispute between star player and owner of the team. Um I, you know, I also kind of see where Sai is coming from though, because he's just kind of over it all. Like, they've done everything that they can. As much as I like Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and, you know, KD will probably be moved at this point. We'll talk some more about that. But, like, Josiah, Sean Marks, the entire organization has done pretty much anything and everything to please the two guys at this point. And you can only go so far before when a mess like this happens. Sometimes you just got to – you might have to just let it out. Like, you've done absolutely everything, and they're still going against you. So, although I don't agree with it, I can kind of see why he did it and who knows what somebody would do if you were in his shoes and you were just this fed up with it at this point. Um, I mean, I mean, you go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say you have to be, I mean, you have to be fed up. He's had four guys now who are considered superstars. I mean, I'd include Ben Simmons as a superstar and it seems like none of them wanted anything to do with Brooklyn. Yeah. And it just, it, it seems insane to me, but I will say the craziest part of it is that like in the past few months, it seems like Ben Simmons like really bought in and actually like all in. And I guess you would have never thought that in a scenario where there's three stars, <laughs> the one who's bought in the most is Ben Simmons. Yeah. The, the past weeks definitely made Ben Simmons look like the good guy, which I don't think anyone could have imagined. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah ben, ben Simmons is, is definitely taking a turn uh, for the good as far as, you know, put the public eye is concerned, but I, I like to see that from him. I, I'm a Ben Simmons guy. So, you know, I, I like to see him kind of holding steady right there. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's more Nets talk in general to come, but I do think that we've kind of reached a point where Ben Simmons is probably a little underrated as a player, yeah. and that's only because it's, – it's his own fault, though. I mean, you sit out an it entire is. year, you know, people are going to forget what you do on the floor. Kawhi Leonard's a prime example, been hurt all year, and now you have, like, mixed feelings on how people talk about him. Uh, it's, yeah. But – Ben Simmons, you did it by choice, so naturally you are going to be viewed in a negative way. Um, yeah. I know he had I mean, the back surgery late, but it, he could have played at least earlier in the year for Philly. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. He's he's a top three defender. I believe he's assisted the most three-pointers out of anyone by far the past three seasons. Like, I mean, what he could do for Brooklyn is insane with how many shooters they have around him. He's so good defensively. Yeah, he's a guy. He's a guy. Yeah, he he had assisted uh, the most three pointers. I'd be interested in looking at the numbers now and seeing if Luca uh, surpassed him in this past season, just because of the creation that he has now. But still, to say that you're top two or three in that category, um, you don't just do that off being big and athletic. Like some people act like he's not a gifted basketball player. Yeah. Um, but kind of shifting back to the KD side of things here, you know, I just have a question: Do you think at this point? because of the built-up tension, Kevin Durant, at least if – I don't know when that conversation was. I assume it was recent, and I'm sure Shams was pretty on top of the report close to whenever it happened. But you also have to think that a report like that doesn't come out unless somebody wants it to come out. For and, sure. And 
To me, Kevin Durant is still just continuing to push himself out. Do you think that Kevin Durant is moved before training camp, which is in like five, six weeks? I personally, I think so at, at this point. Um, I wasn't sure of that prior to all of this mess going on, but uh, I really feel like there's going to be, be some pressure to get him gone. Uh, I don't know exactly, you know, where that is right now. Uh, but I, I definitely think there's there's more pressure to get him out of there. But, um, yeah, I, 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 that, that's kind of how I'm looking at it right now. What do you all think about that? Yeah, if, if you would have asked me last week, I would have told you that they were going to go Kyrie, Kevin Durant, Ben Simmons. But now I, I after the tweet, especially after the tweet, I don't see a world where he's not traded with rather quickly, honestly. I mean, there's multiple suitors, so I feel like he could fit in. And there's a bunch of teams I could give the Nets back stuff that I don't think they would be angry with at all, especially with what's happened recently. Yeah. Um, my biggest thing is that after the recent reports, I feel like we're trending towards Kevin Durant not showing up if he's still on the team at that point. Yeah. And I would have never thought that, but I guess that's just KD pushing how much he wants to be out of there. Um, you know, maybe it is a continued bluff. Maybe he would show up for training camp. But I think my my personal thoughts on it, saw today where Kevin Durant is owed half of his contract prior to training camp. So he will receive a check or like two checks or something before training camp even starts or before the first game and stuff like that because of the way he structured his deal to where he – I think he's making like $42 million this year – and he will make $21 million of that, I'm pretty sure, before training camp. So KD has some leverage in that sense of, like, it's not like I'm going to be missing out on my full entire contract if I don't show up and don't play. I'm already going to make half of it before we even go into the year. Um, also, the Nets, a lot of people know this, but the Nets don't own their draft pick for, like, the next six years um, that goes to Houston. So if Kevin Durant doesn't show up, Brooklyn can't just walk into the year and keep playing. Like, you have to get something back because they have to compete right now. But like I said, I think we're training towards Kevin Durant not showing up, and if that's the case, you have to move him. Um, now, where I think there's been a trend in this Kevin Durant stuff is that in terms of teams trading for him, I think we're kind of going away from what the Nets originally wanted, which was like – a top-tier under-25 guy that's like an all-star caliber player already, along with a draft haul. I just don't think, considering Kevin Durant has leverage right now and also considering um, what other teams have been willing to even talk about, that just doesn't seem realistic anymore. Also, you're only left with one team at this point that has even made an offer or discussed an offer with you regarding one of those uh, under-25 all-stars, and that was Jalen Brown. And all they even offered was Jalen Brown, Derek White, and a first-round pick. So it's not like the Celtics went out there and were like, here's your under-25 all-star with a draft haul. If they were even going to put Jalen Brown in the deal, it was only going to be with one first-round pick. And one of – don't get me wrong, I like Derek White a lot, but a lower-end role player considering what the Celtics have. Because, um, you know, the Nets, looking back on it, they wanted Marcus Smart. Celtics were like, we're not doing that. Um, Celtics have also said Rob Williams is off limits. Uh, that's of recent reports. So if the Celtics fall out of the equation, 
then you have literally no one who is willing to give that under 25 all-star caliber guy. And I think once that happens, we are trending towards two to three really good starters. I'm not talking just like, I'm not talking like your, like your average starter or just a good player. I'm talking like really good starters along with a draft hall, which is reasonable in terms of a return. Now you have to be smart about who you're, who you're dealing with, but it is reasonable. I, you're just not, although KD probably should get a Godfather kind of offer in return, you're just probably not going to get it at this point. Um, now, with that being said, if we are trending that way, because um, I do think he will be moved either before training camp or shortly after, I have kind of come up with some teams that I think are still legit suitors considering what they might be willing to give up. Now, I'm still going to keep the Celtics in there, but only because they have sent the offer with Jalen Brown in it. And you just, I just think that's important to remind people of. Like, it's not like the Nets continually ask for Jalen Brown. These Celtics put in an offer with Jalen Brown. So they were willing to move Jalen Brown. That's worth noting. So I'm going to keep the Celtics in there. I'm going to put the Raptors as a legit suitor still. I think they're very much a legit suitor. I think the 76ers have entered the conversation because Great. of where this deal is trending. Uh, and I think that the Suns are still up in there as well. Um, I think the Pelicans are worth noting, but I'm not going to consider them a legit suitor. Is there anyone that I have not said that you guys think is worthy of being mentioned here? I mean, I would add the Heat only because Kevin Durant showed a little bit of interest, but I don't think the interest is necessarily mutual. But my my list is the exact same with the addition of the Heat, but I just put them in there because he said he said something a while back. Yeah, that's, that's the he only definitely- reason. He definitely has interest in the Heat. I just think even when we trend, your your difficulty with the Heat originally was you can't trade Bam if Ben Simmons is there, or else the Heat would have been a very good option for the Nets. But yeah. you can't trade can't trade Bam there if Ben Simmons is there. But even I feel like even if we're trending towards the deal that I'm referring to, again, speculation, guys. I could I could be completely wrong. It just feels like we're trending that way, but. Even if we are trending that way to two or three good starters in a draft hall, the Heat still can't really offer that. And so that's just kind of why I have left them out. Now, maybe Pat Riley, we've seen it before, kind of makes some things happen. Maybe they get into talks of Brooklyn. Maybe a third team is involved to move Ben Simmons. But I just just don't see it. I don't think the Heat have enough assets to make both teams happy in that kind of deal. Truthfully, Oh, go ahead. Continue, Luke. No, you go. No, I was just going to say, you know, I'm, I'm on board with both of y'all about the about the teams that are still suitors. And I, I keep on going back to this to this to the Celtics deal. And maybe it's just because I do know that they have put in an offer um, and now feeling like the Nets may have to settle a little bit in a way and maybe maybe get less out of this deal than what they would have preferred at the, at the beginning. Um that's a trade I would honestly like. I, I, I think Jalen Brown would fit well on the, on this Nets team. You know, if they are going to keep Kyrie and obviously have Ben Simmons back and healthy. So that's the one I really keep going back to. Um, but, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out in the next couple of weeks. I, I agree. I think the Celtics trade, if I'm the Nets, I'm accepting that yesterday. I think yes, that big yeah. three would. Uh, here's the thing. 
Boston's probably pulled that offer at this point. Oh, 100%. I honestly, I think the Celtics are worse with KD and Jason Tatum. I know KD's better than Jalen Brown, but I just like their dynamic with Brown and Tatum better. But I mean, I, the idea of Kyrie, Jalen Brown, and Ben Simmons to me almost works per- perfectly. But then the Raptors, they just have so many young assets they can trade without having to give up a ton of picks. And then the Sixers, I'm, I'm imagining it's like Tobias Harris and maybe Tyrese Maxey somewhere along the lines with that. And I feel like that's honestly a good trade for both teams. I don't really see how Tobias maybe fits with the Nets, but I like that for the Sixers. So, so let me kind of walk you through some of these on what I think would be some of the potential packages. So with the Raptors, I think if the Celtics have completely pulled away from the Jalen Brown thing, because I do agree with you, uh, what I was going to ask before we kind of talked about that, I was going to ask you guys, you know, how happy do you think the Nets would be if that offer came today instead of a few weeks ago? I mean, I think they accepted in a heartbeat considering, what's, oh, absolutely. considering the way things are going right now. But uh, just unlucky how that goes sometimes. But when when talking about the Raptors, when we're talking, if this deal is scaled down in the sense of the player you'll get back, I just think this deal is very interesting because you're looking at a package of like OG Ananobi, Gary Trent Jr., Thaddeus Young, maybe Precious Achua has to be thrown in there, just depends, and they own every pick. So it's just kind of whatever you end up settling on in terms of draft capital. Um, you know, man, OG and Gary Trent Jr. are both 18 point per game scorers. Um, OG is 25 years old, one of the best, one of the higher end wing defenders in the entire league. Um, Gary Trent Jr., uh, pure shot creation can create a lot and a three level score, still only 23. Both guys are on long term friendly contracts right now. I just think that's enticing. If that's what you're, if if your offer is going to end up with two or three good starters and a bunch of draft capital, um, how do you guys feel about like that potential offer? Um, do you think it's enough? And would you be interested in? How do you think it works for both sides? For for the Nets, I think it really just comes down to how many picks they're getting. Yeah. I do like the trade, but I think they need a a good amount of picks for them to accept it. But for the Raptors, it puts them instantly in win now contention. It's not that they're bad right now, but I think there's just way too many elite teams. I think the Raptors are just on the outside of that. And also, on it opens up room for, um, I believe his name is like Delano Banton. He'll be oh, a sophomore year, sophomore this year. He had a great summer league. He's like a 6'8 wing. A lot of, I think a lot of people within the definitely step organization in. are high on Banton. Yeah, so, I mean, getting rid of some of those players makes room for him, and then you're adding KD, so... I, I mean, I, I like it for both sides. And it's, I agree. Uh, yeah, go ahead, Luke. Go ahead, Luke. Oh, I, I like the trade as well. And, it, you know, like I said earlier, that you know, I, I think the Nets are kind of in a point where they might have to, to take a step back and realize they may not get exactly what they want out of this trade. But I, I honestly, I like that trade for both sides and kind of hitting on what you were saying. And, uh, you know, it, it puts them in win now mode, and and so I, I could I could see that trade working for both of those organizations. Yeah, so I think the biggest thing for me whenever it comes to Toronto and why they might be invested in going after Kevin Durant is when you look at the key players, man. And when obviously Scotty Barnes is a key player, but I'm not mentioning him because you know uh, they have they have pretty. 
they've been very vocal about how Scotty Barnes is off limits. Masai Ujiri has reiterated multiple times, we are not trading Scotty Barnes, and can't say I blame him. But um, then, you know, Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam, uh, Chris Boucher, those kind of guys, all on like what you would probably consider their prime as players. So it is the time for this Raptors team to take a jump if it's possible. And Kevin Durant clearly is a jump there. They also picked up Otto Porter Jr. this offseason, who's going to be a great addition probably. Um, adds wing depth that they needed. But if they could also keep Precious somehow in that type of deal, cool. But I, I do think if Kevin Durant lands there, they probably are the title favorite. Um, but uh, I'd have to agree. Yeah. Um, but to be determined there. Um, Celtics, we've kind of already hit hit on all the high notes there. Uh, if it's not a Jalen Brown deal, the Celtics are out. Um, you know, like I said, I threw in the Pelicans. It all comes down to are you willing to trade Brandon Ingram? Right now it doesn't seem like they are, but you just never know what a team might think once they go into training camp. Maybe the Pelicans go into training camp. Zion looks incredible. A lot of the second-year guys that were great last year, like Herb Jones, Jose Alvarado, and Trey Murphy, maybe they look like they've really grown going into year two. And maybe you sit there and say, Zion's good enough. We've got the depth. C.J. McCollum is in his low 30s. we got to go right now. And maybe that's where you just pull the trigger there. And so that's why I'm going to wait and see on the Pelicans. I'm not going to completely throw them out just yet. Um, now with the 76ers, they don't have enough in terms of just what they own to be able to make this happen, but they have the players that it would take to make it happen. And they have one draft pick eligible to trade. So it would take a third team to also help with some of the draft compensation or another player. Very hard to make happen. But since Kevin Durant has interest and Daryl Morey is an incredible GM, I think you have to kind of keep the possibility open. It's also one of those things where if we're talking multiple good starters, Tyrese Maxey is probably on the top of the list of good starters that you would look for in a trade. Um, only going into year three, guy looks like he could make even another jump this year. So I think he has to be in there. Um, Tobias obviously has to be in that deal. But the Nets are trying to compete. I mean, they don't have their draft pick, so a guy like Tobias could definitely help um, if you're needing KD replacement because you're building around Tyrese Maxey at that point, but you still need other good players to continue to continue to compete. You'd have two years left to Tobias. That would be solid. Um, what do you guys maybe think of a – we don't have to stay – we don't have to talk about the Nets side of things. I think it's pretty understood that if that deal was made, Tyrese Maxey is a great building block. Uh, along with Ben Simmons that they have already. Let's talk about the 76er side of things. How scary for the league is a tree is a potential trio of Joel Embiid, Kevin Durant, and James Harden? I mean, it's it's definitely better where KD was at the Nets. I mean, Joel Embiid might be one of the most talented centers the NBA has ever seen, if we're being honest. And then James Harden, people have quickly forgotten how recently he was averaging mid-30s per game. So, like, I mean, that team – could be very very dangerous it's really it's a really talented trio obviously uh maybe the most in the league at that point um oh i think i oh god i was just gonna say i think for sure the most talented trio if it happens yeah 
Yeah. And, and, and that's the thing that that would be an amazing deal for the 76ers to be in that position right now. But I, I don't know. I kind of like the, the core that they have intact at the moment. Um, Are they, you know, in this moment willing to break that up to get Durant and obviously pair him with Harden and Embiid, you know, we'll see in the, the coming days, weeks, but I, so I don't hate that trade, but for me, I, I personally like what they have together right now. Um, I'm not sure that that's something that I would jump at if I were Philly, but it could be really dangerous if it did. Yeah, and and like I said, that deal get, does get very complicating because Philly simply does not have the total assets that it would take to acquire Kevin Durant, even if it is scaled down a bit. Um, but just the fact that KD has some interest there, um, I think it's worth remembering that last year Kyrie Irving was not playing at all. Uh, James Harden still looked a step slow, but him and Kevin Durant with, you know, no third star and, and Joe Harris got hurt early. They were still leading a team at top of the conference. And so you're talking about a team at that point that would have those two. Like, let's say even if Harden is the same as last year, um, those two were already at top of the East. Now you have that with Joel Embiid and improved depth from this team from last year. Uh, that's scary. So I think I think Philly, probably the hardest one on this list to make a deal happen, but they need to be all over it, um, in my opinion. I, I do think that there are Sixers fans that totally agree with you, Luke, that, yeah. um, you know, with, as, good as, as good of a player as Kevin Durant is, you just never know about people's health. And I don't agree with this narrative, but I guess there's some – I guess people could argue there's some truth to it, but you can kind of just say, oh, look at what just happened with the Nets. Everybody thought they were going to be the easy favorites and they were a complete disaster. So as the Sixers are currently constructed, they as fans might just be more comfortable keeping what they have right now and just going at it from that point instead of maybe another potential disaster like the Nets just had. Um, Now, those are the suitors are and the and Suns. So almost forgot. Okay. I think the Suns are still alive and well here. Um probably besides the Sixers, because they of teams that do have the assets, in my opinion, the Suns are probably last right now. Um the deal is like Mikel Bridges, Cam Johnson, and like Dario Saric, um, along with whatever the draft capital number is, they own every pick. Um, so whatever Brooklyn would decide is fair draft capital there. Um, I think if you're Phoenix, if I'm Phoenix, man, I'm willing to give up Bridges, especially because you have Aiton now for another four years. At this point, I'm willing to give up Bridges, Cam Johnson, and Sarich and whatever. I'll I'll trade, I'll trade five, six first round picks. Yeah. I, I, might absolutely even, I, might every, I might even lean towards every pick I own, like which is which is seven. Um, and I only say that because you extended Booker, so he's now there for five more years. Um, you just got Aiton locked in for four years, and you have Chris Paul for another two years, and I'm sure you could continue to kind of keep him on the team. Um, at that point, with Durant, you would have him for four years. I mean, you're talking all four of those four guys for a number of years to have a few cracks at it. Um, if it works, great. If it doesn't, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be honest, this core right now is going to do it anyway, so – you might as well go for it at that point, considering this core is not going to do it. And Chris Paul is at the age where you have to go for it right now. If you're that invested in Chris Paul, which they are clearly. Um, so I, I, 
like like most teams in this situation that we've discussed, I think they're definitely the favorite if they were to acquire him. I mean, we're talking about we're talking about a top 10, 12 player ever in his prime. So yeah, I mean, as long as he's going to a good team, uh, they probably do turn into the favorite. But this team specifically, just because the Suns have been kind of missing what one thing in the playoffs. This another just wing scorer because Chris Paul can like there's only so much they can do at this age in terms of scoring the basketball. It was really bad in this year's playoffs in terms of whenever they really needed secondary scoring and some Mavericks late in that series. Um, so if you just throw in arguably the best wing scorer in the league, whenever that's all they needed, oh gosh. Um, so that would be interesting. Um I think the Nets remain very competitive and have all the draft assets they've needed. And you could hope at that point that on down the line, Kevin Durant and Chris Paul are going to be retired. Hopefully Aiton is out of there at that point once they're retired because of the disparities from this past offseason. And then you're left with Devin Booker. Devin Booker by himself is just not good enough to win if they don't have other stuff. Um, Those could end up being some very, very good draft picks. And I think it is the most enticing. From draft pick one of point of view, I think it is the most enticing offer. Yeah, I mean it has to be. It's the only team that can offer anywhere close to those numbers. Toronto, in terms of, and and New Orleans, but it's are they willing to give away the? the yeah, I, I I don't think they are willing. That's the thing. Yeah. So, it it'll be interesting, man. Um, last question uh, regarding the Kevin Durant news, and it has nothing to do with Kevin Durant himself. Um, where do you think we are currently with the Donovan Mitchell stuff? And do you think that the Donovan Mitchell thing is a holdup because of the Kevin Durant stuff? I absolutely think it, it is. Um, it, it, it's really tough for me to say where I think, you know, we're at with it right now. Um, I, I think kind of all this, this KD stuff is kind of clouding the market a bit. And uh, we're kind of just in limbo waiting to see what happens with that. But, you know, I, I don't know. I he's. I think I think once Durant's gone, he'll be Donovan Mitchell will be traded, you know, soon after, I would expect. But I don't really know in this moment where we're at with it due to the Kevin Durant news. The the issue is I feel like they were expecting someone's entire draft catalog. And then the Kevin Durant news with the Celtics kind of broke and they realized that maybe there was no shot that even came close to that number. So it really just depends on what Katie gets sold for. Because at, at some point, you think the Jazz would just sit down and pray for Victor. But, I mean, it's a confusing situation when it really comes down to it. So I do think, you know, like you guys have kind of said, that, that the KD stuff is really holding up the Donovan Mitchell stuff. I also think part of it is kind of like Emmett was getting at, I mean, I love Donovan Mitchell as a player, but I don't know if any team is willing to give away the draft capital that they're kind of asking for right now. And I think that they were kind of lucky in the Rudy Gobert deal um, because Minnesota just wanted him that bad. And I think it will pay off for Minnesota, but just the fact that they had to give up that much, I don't – and it's not like teams were probably competing to give that much draft capital for Rudy Gobert. It's just simply that Ainge was like, if you want either of these guys, I'm not trading them unless I get a ridiculous number of draft capital. And Minnesota just happened to probably 
whether it was all angles from the coaching staff, the analytics team, players, they were like, we have to get this deal done. So, you know, I think that's why the draft capital for Rudy Gobert was there, but it's just probably not there for Mitchell because of just maybe what contending teams kind of already have right now. Um, and I think the Knicks would love to have Donovan Mitchell, but they're kind of sitting there and saying, yes, we do own eight first-round picks. But if no team is even giving you four right now, why should we give you five? So I think that's kind of where we're at with that one because I do still think that he probably is going to be a Nick. I think it's just a matter of do they come up with a compromise? Because I also think, and I'll, I'll you guys can agree or disagree once I say this, but I don't think Donovan Mitchell will be on this team come start of the season. No, definitely not. I don't see that happening in under any circumstance. I'm agreeing. I feel like, especially with the Gobert trade, I feel like the Jazz are definitely going full rebuild right there, hand in hand with the Spurs. Yeah, and I think they are because you know they kind of moved some first round picks. I don't remember exact stuff, but like whenever they made the trades to get better surrounding pieces, especially in the Mike Conley deal with Memphis, and like they found a year this year. Danny Ainge has came in there. He's not catering to what Donovan Mitchell wants to do. He's doing things the way he wants to do it. And so he sees an opportunity if he finds enough draft capital. So now he's going to do the same with Donovan Mitchell. And they own their draft pick this year. So he has the luxury to be able to be bad this year, especially in what's such a loaded draft class. So Ains knows that he has – I don't know if I want to call it like leverage here, but he just knows that like – He's in a good spot either way. If they ran it back, they were going to be a good team. They weren't going to win the title, though. And Danny Ainge was like, why do that whenever I actually own my draft pick this year and I could get a ton of assets out of these two? So I do think it's even an Ainge's plan to go ahead and get rid of Mitchell um, at some point. And I think a lot of people will need to remind themselves we're still a little over two months away from whenever the regular season starts, so there's still plenty of time to work with here. Um so I think it'll be interesting, though. I, Like we said, though, I do think Donovan Mitchell and probably some others around the league will all probably kind of fall over domino effect once Durant is finally moved, which we all think he will be. Um, so that's kind of it on the Kevin Durant stuff this week and probably for a while, unless we actually hear something else or if a trade is made. And who knows? That could happen at any time. Um but now we want to kind of move on to a lot of extension talk. Um, as of last week, around this time last week, we're recording on uh, Thursday right now. Uh, I think like eight days ago, uh, every, the guys that were able to become extension eligible became extension eligible. Um, we know we've got your, got your rookie scale guys, so your guys that are on that fourth year of their rookie contract um, who will – either sign an extension right now or go into restricted free agency, which if you don't know what that means, it means that they would enter free agency and they could be offered a deal, which uh, DeAndre Ayton is a great example here. A team wants to sign you, you go and you sign the offer sheet. And then the team that had you the year before has the rights to match that offer sheet to maintain you. So that's restricted free agency. Um, and that's all you're always in restricted free agency coming off of your rookie scale contract. Um, as long as you've served the full rookie year, uh, the full rookie scale contract. Now, we've also got guys 
who are who have one year or two years left on their deal and they would all be entering unrestricted free agency which obviously just means if they don't come to an extension agreement they will simply go into the free agent market and anybody can sign them if they have the cap space to do so the team who had that person has no type of matching rights like they do with a restricted free agent so we're going to start off with the guys that are on rookie scale contracts now um i guess let's see this is the what what draft class is this is this the 2019 draft yeah i think i think it is yeah so this is the 2019 draft we're looking at all guys who have the teams have picked up their options on all these guys for the first three years um some of the guys who have already had some extensions are Darius Garland. He signed a max extension. John ja Morant, he signed a max extension. Zion Williamson, he signed a max extension. Um, Keldon Johnson was the latest one, I believe, and he signed like a four-year, $80 million extension. Um, I don't think I'm forgetting anybody whenever it comes to those extensions. I, I'm pretty sure that those were the ones. But, um, yeah, so four guys from that draft class have all already signed an extension. So that leaves a lot of guys to talk about here. Um, the first few notable names that I want to address here. Uh, first one is Tyler Hero. It's pretty well known that Tyler Hero was seeking a max deal, especially about halfway into the regular season and three-fourths into the way in the regular season. Averaging 20 off the bench. He ended up winning sixth man of the year. He was pretty vocal about uh, how he wanted – a big extension, uh, poor playoff play. Um, they still have not come to terms on an agreement on extension. Um, if you're the Heat, Pat Riley, do you even want to talk extension if he's kind of demanding a lot of money? Or do you just kind of sit there and say, we're going to play this one out. We're going to let you become a restricted free agent after we see what you do this year. Uh, this uh, this might be a I was going to say this might be a little bit of a stretch, but I'm I'm throwing him up in the wind and see where he lands. I think a max contract is way too much. Uh, I saw him cleaning the glass. I think the top three lineups they used all had Tyler Hero sitting on the bench. Really? I've, I've, I've never been a hero guy. I yeah. always felt like he was doing a little bit too much. I always thought he was a little bit better than he, he was, even at Kentucky. But, I mean – Outside that one finals run they had in the bubble, I really have never been that impressed by him. I mean, he's definitely a good player, but a max oh, contract yeah. is way too much. Yeah, I, I – uh, this is kind of a situation to me of a guy where, you know, I, I really feel like he needs to take a step back and really uh, know his worth a little bit better. Um, you know, I, I'm all about guys going and getting their money. But if I'm the Heat personally in this one, I'm just kind of seeing where this plays out. I'm not looking – I'm not even engaging in these talks right now until we come to a, to an agreement that, you know, you're going to bump down from what you're desiring. Uh, I just, I, I'm not, a, I'm not a huge hero guy either in it. And um, it's not that I don't like the guy. I, but I, but I think that's way uh, unrealistic for a guy like that to go out and, you know, sign a max extension. Yeah. And I mean, I'm totally on board with you guys. I'm not like you both. I'm not a big hero guy either. But the thing for me is, uh, Luke, I'm glad you said it, is it's kind of like self-awareness. And it's like you could – he probably could get a decent extension right now. But if he's really bent on, like, 
high dollars and max money, you're not going to get it because you've not done anything to really get that yet. Yeah. And I mean, let's look at it. Three guys right now from this draft class have gotten the max extension. John Morant, Zion Williamson, Darius Garland. Tyler Hero is nowhere near the level of player that those three are. So if those three are going to get it, you have to do something that those three have done. And you've not touched the surface of what those three have done or just did, especially last season. Um, obviously, Zion's an exception. He has a lot of he has a lot of stuff about maintaining weight and playing a certain amount of games, which is totally fair. But um, we also can't forget that with him, he was 27 a game on like 60% shooting in every play. Yeah. And Tyler Hero's not sniffed that type of productivity. So, I don't think he will sniff that type of productivity. I don't think he's that type of guy moving forward either. Yeah. Um, and that's that's my other thing with it is it's it's not just about right now. It's looking at his next four or five years. I don't think he ever becomes that guy. Yeah. But yeah. My, I mean, oh, go ahead, Emmett. Go ahead. Well, I was gonna say I feel like I know Tyler Hero is a little bit more well developed, all around player, Duncan Robinson, but. Duncan, I know Duncan Robinson was asking for a lot as well, but I, I like the Duncan Robinson pick over Tyler here. I just, I feel like you're getting similar production out of the two players and one of them costs a lot cheaper. Now, if you can get Tyler hero down to a Duncan Robinson asking price, it's, it's a different conversation, but I, I just, I, I can't convince myself Tyler hero is worth anything like that. Yeah, I guess my only thing there would be that Tyler Hero can give you a little something off the dribble that Duncan can. Yeah, and definitely. and there's a lot of proof behind the stats that Max Struess was just as good of a two-man partner with Bam Adebayo as Duncan was. So maybe Duncan kind of got overvalued since we'd only really seen like one prolific shooter with Bam at the time. And now we just saw that Struess did it too. So maybe it's, I think it's more of a BAM thing with a good shooter opposed to Duncan as a player. But I do agree that like, like I understood the Duncan deal at the time. Um, and you can't always base stuff off previous years. So I understand what you're saying in the sense that they've already kind of given Duncan the money. Is it even worth it to give Tyler Hero what he wants after you've already given a guy like Duncan money. Um, I would try to move Duncan, but I'm sure that's not a very easy thing to do with his current value. Not at all. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how things play out with Tyler Hero. I also just want to point out that as we're talking about these rookies, there's nothing wrong – or not not rookies, but guys that are on rookie-scale contract. There's nothing wrong with letting them fall into restricted free agency that's the beauty of being able to match whatever contract they sign is it gives you a little more flexibility and maybe hero does take a jump and then gets like, like it could be an Aiton thing, like an Aiton repeat from this past year. Suns didn't want to give Aiton a max. Now I know there was a discrepancy. He wanted five years. He ended up getting four a year later, but Aiton wanted a max. They didn't want to give it to him. Then they just waited to see if anyone would actually give him a max. And then they matched it. Like you just never know what a team might do. So as we're talking about these players, when we say let them go into restricted free agency, we're not saying let them walk. Like we're saying just see what the market says about them before you give them something. Um, next player here that I want to talk about, R.J. Barrett. Now I want to come in first and say I think he already should have been given a max extension. Um, your guys' thoughts on R.J.? 
Um, I, I'm actually a huge fan of RJ Barrett to take a massive step forward. Uh, I feel like he can honestly make a similar jump to Jason with Jason Tatum. Like I, I know Jason Tatum was probably a little bit better at the time, but RJ Barrett can definitely take a step into a star role. I mean, it might be a little bit of a stretch, but I think he's the best player on the Knicks, even with Brunson. I think he is. So I, I see no reason not to extend him. Yeah, he's, he's a guy to me that, that's absolutely worthy of that. And it's kind of going back to the hero thing. I'm looking at upside as well, you know, and R.J. Barrett's a guy who can be a dog in this league. And, you know, I, I at that point, I, I'm giving that type of guy, you know, the max extension. But I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm really high on him going into this season and uh, really excited to see how, how he progresses over the next couple of seasons. I, I, before the Brunson stuff was going out, I expected a big RJ Barrett breakout year. I probably won't go as big next year because they have a point guard now with a lot more responsibility. I thought we were kind of transitioning more into big combo guard RJ Barrett, but we're probably kind of going away from that now. But still expect big things from him and maybe a point guard because RJ did kind of take a step back in terms of efficiency this year. Now I'm not going to hold that against him. I mean, look at the cast, like it's not a bunch of shooting or spacing and secondary playmaking around him, but maybe with an actual point guard now, maybe we get better efficiency from RJ Barrett um, along with a jump. So I, I just, I, yeah, just another one of those things. I think when you've got a player like RJ that's shown as much as he has on both sides of the ball, I think he should have already been extended at this point. I don't think there's any chance they lose him, but it's just, when you have a player of that caliber, you don't want to risk something later on down the line. And so that's why I think he should have already been extended. And it sounds like both of you are totally on board with that. Yeah, call. for sure. Definitely, yeah. Um, so I guess we're good talking about him there. Um, I get the, the last bigger name that I want to mention before we just kind of go into yes, no's, or are you surprised yet, is Jordan Poole. And – you know, Poole had a great regular season, uh, started off really hot in the playoffs. It obviously made its way down as we kept going. But it the thing about Poole that's interesting is that the two that we just discussed in Tyler Hero and R.J. Barrett, they both kind of wanted like the max deal. So we're talking like lower 30 million. Poole wants four years, 100 million from from the reports that are going everywhere. And that would I mean, that's not five years. It's four years. And $25 million a year. I still – I understand why the Warriors aren't giving it. I also think it's fair for Jordan Poole to ask of a deal like that. Um, but considering the Warriors have four players to worry about extensions with, I understand why they've not just full-on given Poole that extension yet and are kind of letting it play out. Would you guys kind of lean towards what Bob Myers and the Warriors ownership are doing right now? Or would you be like – I really think Jordan Poole is going to continue to ascend, and I don't think four years, hundred million, is all that crazy. Well, let me ask you uh, this: Do you think he can go somewhere else right now and get that type of money? I truthfully don't know. See, kind of, yeah. Uh, go ahead. I I see where their issue is. They have so many players that they're going to have to extend, and so many players that could when they come to their extension point, be asking for a lot of money. They have so much potential on that roster, which is kind of unheard of for a championship team. But Jordan, I like Jordan Poole better than Clay Thompson. And 
like I want to say yes, give them the money, but it's such a difficult decision because they are so deep. They're gonna have to give so much money to everyone that it's 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 almost impossible to say. So here's here's a tidbit for you. It's worth noting that Warriors ownership has been vocal saying that they would not exceed uh I think it was like the five hundred million dollar tax bill. And so that means that one of assuming that Draymond Clay, Wiggins, and Poole all stuck with this money amount that they probably want going forward. That means one guy is left out in that scenario. So okay. here's just a question for you. Which one of the four do you leave out in that scenario? You can go ahead, Luke. I want to hear what you have to say. That, it's really tough. I'm, I'm going to jump in first. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Please, go ahead. I do not let Andrew Wiggins go in that situation. He's number one for me outside of seven I agree. with my team. So I don't let Wiggins go. Okay. If I can convince Draymond Green to not want this max deal that he wants, he's two on my board of players I want to keep with Steph Curry and with this championship team. I think the odd man out is Jordan Poole. And I only say that because I think Clay Thompson really did start to turn it on a little bit more as they got going in the playoffs. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how he comes out after a fully healthy offseason. I think we have to put into perspective that Clay Thompson did go for two and a half years of just pure rehabbing and had to jump straight in the middle of a regular season to get back on his footing. So I personally, especially because of the just the pedigree of player he is, championship experience, what he can give you and what he did this postseason – and the optimism that I have on Clay going forward, I go Clay above Jordan Poole. It's, okay. it's definitely between Clay and Poole. My thing is, I, agree. I, I felt like I might be way out of bounds on this, but I felt like Clay Thompson had a little bit of resentment last season, especially in the playoffs. At some points to me, it felt like he was trying to do too much to make sure Jordan Poole didn't take that kind of like second splash bro spot. Yeah, I, I, I agree with way out of bounds saying that, but I no. felt like he was always trying to do a little bit too much. I'm fully on board with what you're saying there. I'm, I There's definitely – I don't know if it's two-headed in the sense that Poole feels the same way, but there's some resentment clearly from Clay towards Jordan Poole. Yeah, it's, and if he, if he can kind of just, I guess, stay calm, I don't know if that's the right word, but just kind of fill in the spot that's needed, I would pick Clay over Jordan Poole. But with that, I still like Jordan Poole a lot. Yeah, and I can completely understand why they picked Jordan Poole over Clay Thompson. I like I like I was going to say earlier. This is obviously tough, but if I'm being completely honest with you, give me Jordan Poole. Okay. Um, moving forward, um, yeah, I, I think Curry. I mean, Curry obviously has a lot left in the tank. Yes. But I, you know, I, that, that's a guy who he's playing for you for you know uh, uh, a good amount of time down the road as well, and. You know, I see him having a really long career. I don't know that I see Clay Thompson having as long of a career as, as Steph. And if it's me right now and I'm the Warriors, I'm taking Poole any day of the week over Thompson. I really like the way he fits in there. Um, I really, if I'm the Warriors, I don't want to see him going anywhere else. Um, you know, if, if somebody were to come in and, and offer him more than, you know, uh, the the 100 mil as a restricted guy, I mean, are, are they going to match that? I, I don't know, but 
I, that's a guy who I'm locking up right now and I'm not, I'm not letting go of him. I really, I really think that uh, that's a guy that belongs in Golden State. And I'd really like to see him stay there even more so than Clay. Yeah, I, I like that pick a lot, honestly. I, I felt like they were better with Jordan Poole, but that also that could just be because Clay Thompson probably wasn't 100%. It's kind of the same thing with yeah. Kawhi. Like, if he gets a full offseason, healthy offseason, is he a completely different player? Clay Thompson could be right back to his prime, but it's, it's super hard to say. It's it's a it's a tough question right now until we see some more like actual data of it in terms of games played because when Clay came back in the middle of the regular season Jordan Poole was the clear better option but then in the playoffs it was very like you just never knew it depended on the night on who was going to be your better option and so I it is interesting like I don't I don't like fault you guys for picking Poole in that scenario and I think it's a super tough decision. And I think just from the three of us talking about it, you can already tell how much of a tough decision it is, like Lucas said, for Warriors ownership, if they do have to actually pick three out of the yeah. four and let one go. Yeah, it's it's definitely between Poole and Clay. I, I'm sure a lot of people will say Draymond. Now, I, I, would just, say, I would say Draymond if he is dead set on getting this max contract. Yeah, I, I can see that. But I just – I don't – outside of, like, the elite, elite players that ever step on the court, Draymond is one of the most – impactful players on the court he doesn't even have to touch the basketball and he completely yeah. alters both sides of the ball yeah I think he's a reasonable guy too that that's the thing about Draymond I think that that they can maybe talk him down a little bit and and kind of make it work for everyone um but you know I, I, I Draymond is extremely valuable to that team and, and and that's a guy who I'm absolutely not willing to give up if I'm the Warriors yeah so what I ultimately think is going to happen is the Warriors are going to let this go all the way in the next offseason, and we'll just have to see what a team is willing to throw at Jordan Poole at that point because maybe the Warriors actually luck out of it and Poole is not even thrown a four-year, $100 million deal. So in that situation, big win for the Warriors. So then I just want some yes or no's here. Um, or let's see, do we want it to be like yes or no? Um, uh, so the question will be, should they have been extended by now? Um, yes or no. And if you say yes, then you think that they should have already had an extension with their team. If you say no, then, um, you're just kind of implying that you would let this year play out and let them enter restricted free agency. DeAndre Hunter with Atlanta. I'm going to say yes. I, I love DeAndre Hunter with the, the Hawks. I, I think he's a tremendous fit, honestly. Um, and I would say yes as well. I'm going to say no only because of the health concerns. And I can see that. And you're still yet to really see him play long, like big spurts with this team. So I say no for that reason. Grant Williams. I mean, that's that's Draymond Green right there. If I don't, you have to sign him. I agree with that. I like that. I like that take. I say yes, and I think an extension is very likely to be worked out here in the next few weeks. Um, Kevin Porter Jr., I'm going to start out with this one. No. I originally said no, but the more I thought about it, it's it might be biased. I just love watching him and Jalen Green play. Yeah. I'm pretty dead set on no. I And, Luke, since we both said no, I think, I think the reasoning is probably similar. But – 
they keep talking about Kevin Porter Jr. is going to make a jump. Kevin Porter Jr. is going to make a jump. I just have to see it at this point. Yeah, when is it going to happen? Yeah, and and my thing with him is it's it's more Rockets organization-based more than it probably is on him, and it's the fact that in two off-seasons, this team could have a lottery of the team, the the some guys they have right now, which is like Jabari Smith Jr., Jalen Green, Tari Eason, Alperin Shingun, Jay Sean Tate, and like $80 million worth of cap space plus all the draft capital that they own. I think I'm probably more comfortable with that than I am some somewhat large deal with Kevin Porter Jr. I don't even think it would be that big unless he just really wants a number that big, but I'm just going to say no right now. Yeah, I guess that's just where I'm at. Yeah, at this point, it kind of feels like he's going to have a J.R. Smith career. <laughs> um, Cam Johnson with Phoenix. <sighs> I say no. I, I, I'm saying no as well. Cleaning the glass of most of the lineups that will work best for the Suns did not have Cam Johnson on it, which actually surprised me. But, yeah, no. And I'm going to say no as well. And this isn't even, for me, it's not a no because of negativity, which it's not for a lot of these guys. But it's just another one of those, show me what you do this year. We might throw you something or just go get an offer. And even if you get an offer, we'll gladly accept it. Like, I just, when you're on these type contracts, a lot of times you're going to have to do a lot for me to say that, like, you, you should be extended off the rip and, and not just give me the flexibility to get you as a restricted free agent. Um, Rui Hachimura. I think this one's a little bit more like gray. It's not as black and white because I think it's more picking Kuzma or him. And it, it honestly really comes down to Kuzma for me. I, I'm going to lean towards yes and get rid of Kuzma because I feel like Kuzma's going to have too much. I'm going to say no, only because he keeps showing a bunch of flashes in different directions, and I need to see it all either put together or in those few areas even more before I'd feel comfortable extending right now. Because even if the Kuzma thing is an issue for you, you can still wait this whole year out, and if you still want Rui, you just match something. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I'm on board with that. I really feel like I need to just kind of see how this year plays out and kind of kind of see what he can provide before I would uh, extend. Yeah. PJ Washington. Um, I I might let him run out for a year, but at the same time, losing Miles Bridges, like I feel like you gotta kind of lock up something. Especially I feel like he's gonna be on the cheaper end. But yeah. I would say yes, extend them. See, I because of the Miles Bridges situation. And I'm on board with you guys, but I wonder if PJ is kind of like, oh, I'm going to get a lot more opportunity this year. So I'm not going to sign an extension right now and I'll make more money in the long run because I know I'll get my opportunity with that. So that's definitely a possibility. So I'm going to say yes, just like you guys, because for the team's good. I think it would make sense, but I understand if what I'm saying is correct and why there's not an extension made because PJ sees more opportunity with Miles Bridges gone. Um, Kobe White, I say no. 
I'm quick no for me. Yeah, quick no for me as well. <laughs> I, I'm not a not a believer in Kobe White. Yeah, could could be a good bench score, but I think that's pretty much the ceiling at this point. Um, Brandon Clark. I thought he showed actually really good signs in the late in the postseason, but I'm, I'm gonna let him play out one more year. I'm on board with you on that, Emmett. I, I've got to let it play out. And I think that's fair, but I think I think a reasonable number could be worked out here. I don't think Brandon Clark is going to be going into this expecting anything huge, and I think you okay. should. I think they should try to get something done here. Um, so I'm going to say yes. Um, Jackson Hayes, big Jackson Hayes guy. Um, I, I'm down with extending him. I'll let you go ahead on that one, Kyle. I say no. So the only reason I say no is kind of similar to like the it's different in its own ways but kind of similar to like cam johnson in the sense that like just show me what you do this year like the pelicans team this year are going to be going for a playoff spot they've got all their pieces so jackson hayes you show me how you fit with this group this year and then we'll make this decision next offseason yeah and i think that's fair i'm gonna go no i mean i think it's kind of a prove it situation for them for sure um, so I would I would like to see how that plays out this season uh, before I could say yes. Darius Baisley with OKC. It, it really depends on the price point that's available now. Because I, I kind of like Baisley, but at the same time, I'm not really sure what's happening with the Thunder. Are they going full rebuild? Are they going to make a little bit of a push at the playoffs? So I, I'm, I'm kind of on the fence on this one. I'm not really sure. I say no, and I feel like I'm turning towards an even bigger possibility of kind of letting him walk. Only, And I like Baisley as a player, but I do think that the direction of this Thunder team is not to pay a lot of guys right now. And with Chet being there now and uh, Jalen Williams, the one from Arkansas, who's more of like a banger that they like, um, you know, I think – the guys that they're probably looking towards from next year's draft. I, I, they like Poku still. They've got a lot of flexibility with some other guys. I just, I don't think they're looking for long-term big money right now. And I'm not so sure that Baisley would want big money, but I, I just think they like, I think they might be trending towards, I think they're more likely for Bays to be out of there than they are to extend him right now. Yeah, yeah. I think they're more focused on future acquisitions and, and kind of moving forward and, and rather than, you know, locking a guy up right now. Um, so I'm going to have to go no on that. It'll, it'll probably be similar to kind of Roby or however you pronounce his last name. He, yeah, they kind of let him walk. Yeah, um, Matisse Thibel, no. <laughs> yeah, no. I, I'm going to agree with no, but he's so good defensively that it, it's, a, it's tough to say no, honestly. I think he's a good on-ball pest and kind of like he's a good gambler in a sense for some steals and blocks. I do think he tends to get a little overrated on the defensive side of the ball. Though. Yeah, I don't think I he's mean, a good I, defensive stopper. I, I can I can or, see that. Or an anchor for a defense, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so maybe he shows something this year, but I also think there's a scenario, why would I extend him right now if he may not even play that much for my team this year? Yeah. You know? So, interesting. And 
Last one, Nazir Little in Portland. No. If you would have asked me a year ago, I'd have said yes. But the problem is, is that he got hurt, and this team has some new pieces this year. So, I, yeah, just let him play it out. Yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement with you about, like, asking this question last year. Um, but I think with their, with their new additions, I mean, I think I got to say no. Yeah. So – It'll be interesting to see how that some how some of that stuff plays out. I do think a few of these guys are bound to get an extension done here in the next few weeks. Uh, it's just an ongoing conversation that's not going to be done on day one, which was a week ago. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But now we're going to look at some guys, like some veterans, that have one or two years left, notable names, in my opinion, that have one or two years left on their deal that could also be extended. Well, there are a decent amount of guys with one or two years left um, that are notable, that are extension eligible. Um, first, I want to point out the guys who have a year left, but odds are there is no extension worked out there, and we're looking at them as trade targets, whether it's in the next two or three months or at the trade deadline. And those names are Kyrie Irving, Eric Gordon, Miles Turner, Buddy Heald, Russell Westbrook, Stephen Adams, Terrence Ross, Jay Crowder, Harrison Barnes, and Boyan Bogdanovich. And so that – the Bogdanovich I'm referring to is the one in Utah. But um, the other Bogdanovich has a year left, but I don't think he's as notable as a lot of the guys we're going to mention here. But those are some guys that maybe watch at the trade deadline or in the next few months. I mean, they could totally play out their season and become unrestricted free agents. But – those guys will not have an extension worked out. Um, guys that have two years left, which you definitely have more flexibility as the ownership, just for the fact that you can wait a whole other year if you want to before you go for an extension. But a lot of these guys, pretty proven at this point, probably worth it. First one is that the thing about an extension is it's based off the number from your previous contract. So some of these you might let play out, some of you might do it. Now, first one. Draymond Green is worth a uh, – his max extension that he could get is four years, $139 million. Now, this is the deal that he wants. We've already kind of talked about it a little bit. Um, I would not touch this. Yeah, it's, it's definitely high, and that's not saying Draymond is in any way a bad player. He might be the best defensive player of all time, but it's, it's just too high for his age. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I mean, I think it's too high, too high for his age. And obviously, like I, I said earlier, he's very vital to this Warriors team. But you know, if I if I'm looking at production on the on the floor, that's just a little too much money for a guy like Draymond. So I don't I don't really think that there's anything I'm I'm doing about that right now. Yeah, so that would put him right at about like thirty one million dollars a year, uh, maybe even a little more. So, and it's more as he goes up in years. So I just think that would be wild. Um, I I would totally love to kind of give him like a three or four year extension based off the number he makes right now, but just not what he's eligible for, which is what he wants. Um, Clay Thompson eligible for a three year, hundred sixty two million dollars. I'm waiting right now. Yeah, they're I'm they're still waiting. There, there's no other choice than to wait. I, I don't think I, I would not be jumping the gun on that one. Yeah, Chris Middleton could be three or four years, 
and it would be around $50 million a year. I'm going to give it to him. Yeah, lock him up, dude. Lock him uh, up. Like, that's... I, I'm definitely with you. I mean, it's not the prettiest big three, but they they always get the job done. They're always right there, so... Yeah. yeah it works. Um, D'Angelo Russell could be multiple years. It would have to be around $30 million a year. I'm letting him... I'm, I'm waiting it out with him. Let his contract play up. Yeah, I, I I don't see that really happening. The extension, they they're definitely gonna wait it out. I would wait it out as well, but I don't hate it honestly. I, I like D'Lo on that team, and I uh, I hope they can get something done. Um, C.J. McCollum, three years, one hundred and thirty nine million dollars. I say give it to him, and I only say because everybody else on that team is locked up right now. So you might as well just lock CJ in too. That that definitely makes sense. And I'm gonna agree with you, but part of me, I don't know if I'm missing something. Part of me just kind of is confused on the whole like CJ McCollum fit. I, I don't know why that is. I just I feel like there's cheaper options for him. I, I know he's an incredible player, but I just I'm not sold, honestly. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to agree with you on that, Emmett. I uh I don't I'm not trying to disrespect CJ McCollum at all. I think he's a wonderful basketball player. I view him as uh, somewhat of a replaceable guy. Um, and like you said, there, there's got to be cheaper options out there. Um, so I, I'm, I'm not touching that one. I, I guess the issue is that now that Brandon Ingram has been on his max and Zion is about to approach his max next year, he's CJ kind of isn't replaceable at that point because then your tax bill gets more and more expensive and you don't really have any cap flexibility. And so that's yeah. why I lean towards hey, you gotta lock CJ in because yeah. I get kind of like the logic you guys are referring to, but whenever your team's salary gets to a certain point that it will be, especially even a, a few more years, whenever they're looking at extending a guy like Herb or Trey or Alvarado or like it just gets really expensive. And if you could lock in yeah. CJ right now, I think you'd have to. I think it's a fair point. I think I might have to might you think you swayed me. <laughs> I think I'll have to go ahead and lock that up then. <laughs> um Pascal Siakam, three year, 139 million. Yes. Probably the Absolutely. easiest guess on this list. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about it. Um just made all NBA, continues to be an incredible player. I think like 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 easy decision. Ab- absolute stud. And along with that, Fred Van Vliet. Uh, three or four years at around $28, 29000000 million a year. I say yes. I think it's another uh, I'm gonna, I agree completely. Yeah, I think so too. Go ahead and lock him up. Keep them together. Lock them both up. I I like the Raptors team. Yeah. I mean, Fred Van Vliet was like sniffing an all-star appearance. Yeah. yeah. And elite defensive player. I just, I just think it, it's an easy decision. Under $30 million for a guy that was almost an all-star last year, I think you do that every day of the week. Yeah, you got to. Um. Tricky one here. Kyle Kuzma, three or four years at $17, $18 million a year. I mean, I already talked about how hard I thought this was, but I think I'm going to let it play out a little bit, but that's in no way saying I, he's a bad player. I wouldn't keep him. Yeah, I I, uh, I don't think he's a bad player at all, and I really I like his uh, you know improvement from <laughs> going from Los Angeles to Washington. and But I, I'm not I'm not ready right now to sign that, but I, I agree with you. I and mean, I think we got to let this one play out. So in this situation, if I'm Kyle Kuzma, I'm, I'm actually the ones that's 
I'm actually the one that stays away from this. And the only reason I say that is because he had a very good year last year, very nice season in Washington. And you still have two years left on the deal. I say play this year out. And I think he could easily say I'm worth more than this and going to undershift yeah. in two off seasons. Most definitely. I, you know, considering, considering Kuz is a big wing, it's a two-way player, a great rebounder for his position, and it's turning into more of a kind of what we thought he was going to be whenever he was like a rookie of like this, you know, can score in different ways. That is well worth a little bit north of $20 million. And so I, I think it's in his best interest to go away from this. Yeah, I agree. If he balls out this year, I mean, he he's automatically worth more than 17, 18 million. Yeah. Um, Markel Fultz, three years, 66 million. I, I'll start this one out. I think as the team, you let him, you want him to play this year out first. I think the thought of Markel Fultz could easily get me interested in signing this, but he, I have to see it actually. It's just been injury concerns and different things. It just have to see it play out. I'm not ready to give that yet. Yeah. It, yeah. I, oh, go ahead. I, I definitely think he will be worth the money, but does he make it to that point? I'm not sure. That's the issue. I want to say yes right now, but I agree, Kyle. I think uh, let's give it a year, see what a healthy Markel Fultz does, and then, you know, I got to gotta look back on it then. But I, I want to say yes. Yeah. Um, last one here on this on guys with two years left on their deal, Tobias Harris. The thing with Tobias is that because of his current contract, he would still have to be making $30 million a year on this extension. So because of that, I say no. I say I'm, no, I'm, too. I'm, that's That's too much. I'm agreeing with the both of you. And I think Tobias Harris is a really quality, good quality player in the current NBA, but the price tag is just too high. Yeah. That's the way it is right now. Um, now we're looking at some guys with one year left on their deal. Uh, first one, uh, they've been talking. I ultimately think this is going to be worked out, whether it's a one- or two-year extension, but LeBron is eligible for a two-year $97 million extension. We don't even have to say anything. Obviously, the Lakers want to do this. It's really just, does LeBron want to go into unrestricted free agency or does he take the extension? I mean, it's nothing that any of the three of us are going to tell you that would be a surprise. We know the Lakers want to do it. We, if we were the Lakers, would want to do it. It comes down to LeBron. So next one, Nikola Vucevic is eligible for a four-year, $118 million extension. Now, what I'll say about him first, although he's worth that, I don't know if he's going to get it or not, but apparently him and the Bulls have been talking a lot recently. So he's going to get an extension with Chicago. I would stay away from that number, which I think they might. I don't know. If they gave him that, I just I'm like, Chicago, what are you doing? Yeah, that yeah. number, that number to me is is a little too high. Um I, I definitely think something gets worked out, but I, I'm not liking that eight 118 million number. I think that's definitely got to come down before you know, if I'm the Bulls, would work something out. Yeah, if that was Wendell Carter Jr., we might have a, a little bit different conversation, yeah. but it is not. <laughs> yeah. Um, next is Karis LeVert in Cleveland is eligible for a four-year, $101 million extension. I'm not extending him at all right now. I'm Cleveland. I I'm, I'm enjoy watching Karis LeVert, but it's I, I wouldn't extend. Yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement there. I think he's a good player, but uh, I don't know if I'm extending on that contract yeah make him play it out i mean ultimately you traded for him last year and 
the pick that you traded, you got back because it was lottery protected and you got Ochai Abaji, who, I mean, maybe it's a crazy thought here, but considering what Karis LeVert was with the team last year, maybe Abaji can kind of come in and give you some similar things to what Karis was doing last season already. And he's on a rookie exactly. contract. Yeah. Um, I also think it is fair, though, to Karis's uh, perspective to acknowledge that when he got traded to the team, they were dealing with injury problems and he had some of his own things going on. So yeah. we will just kind of see. And I think for both sides, it's in their best interest to just see how it goes this year. Yeah. Um, Christian Wood is eligible for a two-year, $31 million extension. If I'm Dallas, I'm like begging him to take that right now. But I, yeah. just, I just think that Christian Wood is probably going to – I feel like Chris, in Christian Wood's best interest, he plays this year and hopes that playing with Luka just inflates his number and efficiencies like crazy. But maybe he just wants some guaranteed money. But, yeah, if I'm Dallas, I'm going for it right now. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with that at, in the slightest. Yeah, but – like I said, wouldn't be shocked at all if we don't see an extension there, only because Christian Wood is like, bro, Luca is going to make my numbers crazy. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see. Um, Andrew Wiggins is eligible for a four-year, $172 million extension. Um, I would maybe try to work around his current number because when I'm giving these numbers, that's what they're eligible for, which is the max, which is 120% of their current contract. I would honestly try to talk to Wiggins and be like, we can literally give you a repeater deal. Yeah. Yeah, I I love Wiggins. He's right there directly behind Steph in terms of value for me. It just depends on the number they can work out. Yeah, based off of uh, of this year and the, and the playoff run, championship run, <laughs> dude, I, I kind of just want to say go for it right now. Yeah, I mean, but I, I think I think you're right about them them kind of trying to talk to him and and try to try to get something slightly more reasonable. But but that's a guy who I, I think he's so valuable. Um, and I and I kind of just want to say like, let's get it done now. It's like let's lock you in. I guess my buy-in there would be my pitch would be we're trying to keep all four of you if possible at all. But if we pay all of you what you're looking for, we can't have all four of you and so if all of you could take a slighter number we can make it work and Wiggins you could I mean you could just say you're making the same money you are right now which is 30 million dollars a year and I think he would be open with that yeah uh, I think he should be yeah um Dylan Brooks four years 61 million dollars is what he's eligible for if I'm the Grizzlies I'm on top of that right now I'm going to say no. I'm going to say I, no on that. I'm agreeing with Luke. Okay. I think Z- Zaire William, um, Williams could come in and just take his spot completely. Like, every bit of Man, it. There, there was a couple times when I was watching Dylan Brooks in that uh, in the Timberwolves series, and I, I just kept on thinking, this is abysmal. I, I, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm a Dylan Brooks fan. I, yeah. after watching that, I, I have my reservations on him. Um, but you know, we'll we'll see. Um, but I, I would personally, I just would say no. I mean, Zaire Williamson shot eighty six percent at the rim. I believe like mid sixties from like mid range and out. Like he's shown a lot of ability, and I feel like if he can actually come in and take Brooks' spot, there's, I mean, that's a perfect scenario. He he did, and I and I do. I am high on Zaire going forward, 
But I think some perspective there is Dylan Brooks has a lot heavier of a load in terms of minutes Most currently, uh, as well as ball handling responsibilities, also as well as guarding the team's best perimeter player. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think that Brooks gives this team some stuff that's invaluable that some other guys can't. And I think especially at that number, if Brooks would be willing to take it now, if Brooks thinks he's worth more than that, then you won't see an extension. He'll go into free agency. But I think it's reasonable, and I think I'd totally be on top of it. I get where you guys are coming from, especially his playoff run this year was not the greatest by any means. But I just – I like what I've seen with him with this Memphis team. So, yeah. now, if you – now, you tell me we get another Desmond Bain jump this year, then maybe we could talk. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, it's one of those things, again, until I see that, I feel comfortable keeping Brooks on the team for the time being. I think that makes sense. Yeah, I think that's solid. Um, Jeremy Grant, two years, forty-five million. I don't, I don't see a reason why you wouldn't. I mean, you could still wait a little bit, but you have to do everything you can to keep Damian there. And letting giving Jeremy Grant any opportunity to leave is a, just a bad idea. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a solid number. I, I like that number. I, I would do it for sure. Yeah, I'm. Totally in agreement, and I actually think that this is something to get works out very soon. Um, Jakob Pertle, four years, fifty-eight million, been a solid big man for the Spurs for a few years now. I I like him a lot. I'm I'm leaning towards yes. I don't really know the timetable on that, but I I like the addition. Honestly, they're not paying a lot of players right now. No, I yeah, I agree with that. I mean, uh, I I would have to say yes as well. Um. Once again, I really don't think that's a bad number, uh, the salary that he would be making. So, uh, you know, I think I think he's a guy that's, that's played solid minutes for him and been good for him. So I'm going to have to do it. Yeah, I say yes. I mean, I think when you're talking less than $15 million a year for what's a productive quality big man, yeah, you got to take that every time. So I say yes, and I figure that that's another one that will be worked out very soon. Um, next one is Al Horford, two years. So I'll just jump in here first. I don't think that something gets worked out because of the current number he makes, but I do think there's probably some behind-the-scenes agreement of like, hey, man, like just play out your contract and we will totally lock you in for another like two years after you finish. Yeah, he's, um, he's definitely had a resurgence of his career. It feels like I, I feel like they'll definitely work something out. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I think that when he was in OKC, that whole thing was weird about, you know, they were trying to get younger and getting him on this on this uh, now on the Celtics roster and everything. I I really like Al on that team and, and I really hope they can work something out. Um, it's one of my favorite guys in the league. So I, I like that. I hope they can work something out. Yeah, hard not to like Al. Um, Seth Curry, four year, 58 million. It, I'm going to say yes, but it's the whole thing is super dependent on KD and Kyrie, really, in my opinion. So I'm going to I'm going to refute that for the only reason that I don't think it is KD or Kyrie oriented, because this team is in a position where they have to try to win basketball games regardless because they don't draft. The picks aren't there. Exactly. I'm saying yes on that. I. uh the the number's good. I think Seth Curry's a productive player. I think regardless of what the Nets do, whether they deal, uh, you know, whether they deal Durant to 
you know, the Celtics or wherever it may be, I think they're going to get, you know, productive guys in return. And, and I, I like to keep Seth Curry locked up in Brooklyn, you know, as long as I can. I, I think he's a, a solid guy who can give them good minutes. I think it's just – I think when you're in a spot where you're trying to win basketball games, for the number that this is at, I think it's hard to turn that down for a guy that shoots it at such a high clip. Like yeah. Um, Emmett, I would totally agree with you if Brooklyn did own their draft pick, but since they don't, that's where I'm like, I feel like you just got to do this. Yeah, I missed that a little bit. <laughs> um, Kevin Love, I'm just – it's the same kind of like Al Horford thing. I don't see an extension at all because of the current number he's at, but could totally see something where Cleveland's like, hey, man, you were a great six-man last year. Like, we're starting to really view ourselves as a legit playoff team. Like, we would love to still have you around. Like, let's work something out this offseason. Yeah, he'll he'll definitely be very cheap, but he'll. I can't imagine they let him walk. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think Kevin Love's a guy who finished his career out in Cleveland, and um, I think they'll get something done. Um, Maxi Kleba in Dallas, four-year, $58 million. I think it's a no-brainer, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'd have to agree. The whole Wood thing kind of throws me a little bit, but I can't imagine they let him walk. He played fantastic, in my opinion. Yeah, 100% yes for me. Yeah, and the only reason that I don't hesitate at all is the the differential when he was on the floor for them in the postseason last season after the Chris Sapps trade was just unreal. Mm-hmm. And maybe, maybe to your point, Emmett, maybe with Christian Wood there now, it's not as much of a need to just have kind of a guy that's like good defender that can switch, that can also pick and pop or space the floor and hit a three. But I just think, like, even as a backup big man, that's a great deal. Yeah, definitely. Um, So I'd say they probably get that worked out. And then the last one I've got here is Brooke Lopez in Milwaukee. And I didn't put the years here because I think it could be any amount of years, but just he would make around $19 million a year, might downscale just a little bit, totally with it, unless he has another major injury or something, like, very soon, like, they could just keep the whole core together in Milwaukee. Yeah, I, I think I think that's a no-brainer. I'm all about Milwaukee keeping keeping that group intact, and so I, I think it's a no-brainer. Yeah, I agree. Definitely. Um, and then just one last thing I want to touch on before we move into our top ten point guards as we wrap this episode up is um, Dejounte Murray, Jalen Brown, and Demontis Sabonis all have two years left on their deal, and they are extension eligible. But we were not going to bring them up because neither of those three guys are going to even consider touching an extension because even 120% of their current contract is nowhere near what they're probably worth in the open market. So, like DeJounte, I think, makes around like 16 to 18 million dollars a year right now. I mean, we're DeJounte's closer to the 30 million dollar yeah. price tag than he is at the 20. So he's gonna wait it out. Jalen Brown is worth like I mean, you're talking close to max money, and um, Sabonis is an, just another guy that's worth a, a bigger price tag. Yeah. So those three guys are going to wait it out, so they were not even worth mentioning in terms of discussing if we think an extension would be worked out there. But lastly, you know, before we wrap this episode up, we just want to go over our current top 10 point guards in the NBA. So the way that we're going to kind of go about this is we all 
maybe we do, maybe we don't have some honorable mentions on our list. And we wanted to kind of discuss who everyone's honorable mentions might be first. And then we want to go through uh, each list individually from 10 to one. So I will give my honorable mentions first. Two guys who I heavily considered putting in my top 10. I very, definitely considered both of them for the ninth or 10th spot as I was as I was going through it, but uh, ultimately didn't think they made it. I want to give a shout out to Fred Van Vliet and LaMelo Ball. I have LaMelo Ball in mind. I also wanted to give a shout out to someone like Chris Paul, Jamal Murray, who uh, it's kind of been a rough situation with his injury, and then Marcus Smart because he just won Defensive Player of the Year one of the best defenders in the league. I feel like I had to give him a nod. Uh, you know, I had about five or six guys on the cusp of cracking my top 10. Um, yeah. I'm not going to bring in some of the younger guys that I, that I left out, but I want to, I want to bring up three guys that are veterans have been playing at a high level for a long time that I just really appreciate the way that they play and what they bring to the table. And that's uh, Kyle Lowry, Drew Holiday, and Mike Conley. Uh, all three of those guys have had wonderful careers and, uh, they didn't crack my top 10, but I, I really just wanted to give them a shout out. I will say, kind of surprised that Drew didn't make the list. I'm interested in yeah, interested in hearing it. So uh yeah, Luke, why don't you just start it out? All right. So uh you wanna you wanna start at 10 or you wanna start at one? How do we want to do this? Start at 10. Perfect. Make your way up. So uh starting at 10, I have Shea Gilgis Alexander. Okay. Uh moving to nine. I have Trey Young. Um, eight, I have Harden. Okay. Uh, seven, for now, is Chris Paul. Okay. Six is Jamal Murray. I think he rises by the end of the season um, if he's healthy. Five, I have Ja. Uh, four, I have Kyrie if he's you know committed to basketball. I'm going to pause Three. you. Kyrie over Ja? Yeah, yeah. Keep going. Right. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's just uh, uh, three, I have Luca. Uh, two, I have Dame. Uh, Dame. Dame is a guy who, through his career, he's averaged, you know, 26 and a half points per game and, and six and a half assists. And coming off last year, you know, averaging 24 and, and seven, Dame's a guy who I don't think he's underrated. I think he just gets overlooked sometimes. And, and I've got him at two and then Obviously, moving to number one, I have Steph, and I don't really think there's much to say about that. Uh, that's my list. You know, it's, it's a little controversial, but uh, a little. I, 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 I want to <laughs> say, I want to say, this is this is this is preseason. I've I've got some guys in there that I think are that are movers. I honestly, I think I think Chris Paul by midseason probably dropping off this list for me. But mm -hmm. um, this is as of right now, and, and these are guys that I would take them in that order. So Luca was third, right? Yes, yeah. I I just didn't I didn't expect that. I really didn't. But I think that the big I guess like I guess it's not and you'll you'll see as my list comes. I think the bigger thing I want to talk about is Trey was ninth, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I he was there's an argument for Trey to be in the top three. There is, but it's that's the that's the thing, is I think that really for me, the hardest part about this was I, I want to have Steph, Dame, and Luca as one A, one B, and one C. They're they're all right there, and then and then That's honestly, good. like four through nine, I, I I'm right there. They they can all be interchangeable. Um, but I, going off of the order of just how I would take them right now in this moment, uh, I, I Trey has been 
been productive over the last couple seasons, and he's got a little bit more to prove to me before I can bump him up. But definitely a guy who, by the end of the year, is 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 up there high on the list for me for sure. I, 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 could see I guess that I guess my thing with Trey is not even two seasons ago we saw an Eastern Conference Finals run, uh, averaging basically thirty and ten, um, and then <laughs> and then. Last year, he led the league in points and assists. And I know the playoffs were kind of rough, but given the circumstances of injuries, other players, and honestly, no legit secondary playmaker, I think it was like Trey did underperform, but it was kind of reasonable for him not to have yeah. some stellar series. I, I just – that Trey at nine really is – I'm shook with that one. But I mean, hey, it's our own rankings for a reason. Yeah. And, and but like I said, you know, he's he's a guy that I could have easily put up at you know four for me. That that would have been the highest that I could have let him go. Okay. But uh, ultimately, for right now, I had to had to stick him at nine. All right, Emmett, let's get to yours. I was in agreement with Shea at ten. I went Darius Garland at nine. Eight, I went James Harden, which was hard for me. I'm not gonna lie. Seven, I went Drew Holiday. Six, I went John Morant. Five, I went Trey Young. Four, Kyrie Irving. Three, Damian Lillard. Two, Steph Curry. And one was Luka. Okay. Yeah. So, I, I, mean, I, I think in any given circumstance, it's kind of hard to refute Steph Curry at one right now. Yes, I – it's just Lucas, my MVP pick. I think he's overall the best guy. I know Steph got the championship, but it's it's really one A, one B. I which I would agree with. I think Luca's insane. So I'm not gonna call it like crazy or anything. Um, I think both of you have Kyrie high. I I, yeah. I think at this point, especially considering other guys being in like number one option roles, I've we've never seen something great out of Kyrie at a number one. And very rough playoffs for Kyrie. Um, I think you have to have a – and I love Kyrie Irving. I think you have to have a serious conversation at this point and say, what has Kyrie Irving done as a winning basketball player besides playing alongside LeBron James? And I completely agree with that. Yeah, I, I agree. For me, it was super difficult with the stretch of Kyrie, Trey, Jaw, Drew, and James, James Harden. Mm -hmm. For me, every single one of those is interchangeable. I could definitely see Jaw had all of them. I could see Trey. I can see every single one of them. So it was it was super difficult. And uh, you had Giroux over Harden, right? Yes. I, I went there purely because of defense. Yeah. And like I said, James Harden was super hard for me to play. So I wanted him to go higher just because I know what he can do. I but. guess, and I, I think that you, I think you may have overthought that one, trying to not be biased or something, because I know you do like Harden a lot. And I think for that one, it's like, although Harden kind of has his struggles with efficiency, I love Drew, but he does too. And it's on, yeah. on an even worse perspective in terms of playoff efficiency than Harden. And at the same time, I just don't think Drew can create to the level that Harden can for others. And, yes, Giroux is an incredible defender, and I love him, and he's definitely a way better defender than Harden. But I think you're always going to value the offensive side of the ball more than the defensive side of the ball just because you have to put the ball – you have to get a score to win. And so I I think you are probably being a little harsh or trying not to be biased or something because I personally 
don't see a scenario where I would go Giroux over Harden. Yeah, it, it was honestly tough. I was going back and forth for like yeah. five which hours. I which I don't have them far away. So, again, nothing crazy, but it's just like I just probably could have never convinced myself to go with Giroux over Harden for the sole fact of what Harden can do for me as a playmaker in total on the offensive end. A little bit better of a choice than Trey at nine, but I do think that after hearing your both lists and after I go through mine, I do think that probably the most controversial is going to be Trey at nine. <laughs> yeah, um, oh, for sure. Hey, I, I knew that putting him there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I figured that. <laughs> so I also wanted to mention this, totally forgot, Luke, no Garland, even as an honorable mention on your list. Well, I have Garland as an honorable mention, but right. you know, like like I said, I I was trying to kind of steer clear of the young guys and honorable oh. mention, okay. um, and you know, kind of kind of keep it with the guys who are kind of the vets. But Garland is definitely nearing nearing the ten spot for me yeah. uh, at least right now. But like, there's just there's so much talent in the league, and and especially the point guard position. This is this is a really hard list to oh, point put guard together. probably the deepest position. Yeah. Um. So I'll get I'll get started with mine. At ten, I have Kyrie. Um, at nine, I have Darius Garland. At eight, Drew Holiday. Seven, Damian Lillard. Six, James Harden. Five, I have him higher than either of you. Shea, Gildas Alexander. Um, four, Trey Young. Three, Ja Morant. And I want to speak on Ja just a little bit because I don't. Neither of you had him in the top three, right? Uh, no, I had him at, I had him at five. My thing with Ja, man, is you're looking at a guy that was just all NBA and would have easily been all NBA first team if he had some more games under his belt. Um, we're talking about a guy that didn't have another like star on his team, still had the second best record in the entire league. And I know they played well without him, but there's a lot of reasoning behind it. And I mean, you saw a guy that was legit taking over and was arguably having the best performances in the entire playoffs um until he got hurt and was out so for that yeah. reason i have to have jaw as high as i do and i have luca at two and steph at one yeah i mean steph at one is obviously not a bad pick at all and the whole jaw thing he's definitely a generational talent there's there's no reason that someone should think that he can't scratch three like yeah there's oh, yeah. definitely a reason that someone has him at three like he's talented and, and my thing with Shea, because I know I have him higher than both of you, is I, I get it. You know, I, I totally get having Shea below some of these guys for the simple fact that Shea's never been in the play. He was in the playoffs with the Clippers, but it was at a much yeah. less role as a rookie. Yeah. Like So you've not seen like a playoff basketball version of Shea. But I just think when you're talking one of like one of legit the best isolation scorers in the entire league, you deserve to be a little higher up. And yeah. I do think that just my personal opinion, if I'm kind of inter interchanging Shea with a lot of these guys, these teams are in better positions. So I can get I can get behind that for sure. Um yeah, I, I do think Harden uh, on a healthy offseason is gonna be fun to watch. Uh but yeah, my my reasoning with Kyrie, man, I mean I thought it was it was just which is what it came down to. I just I did think you guys had him a little high for the simple fact that I gotta see more out of Kyrie in with success into winning basketball without LeBron James before I'm breaking out again. I, I feel like I might have been leaning a little bit just like pure talent basis. Yeah. Just yeah. like he I mean he's definitely incredibly talented. He can in the right scenario he can go all the way up the ladder, but 
yeah it's just it's it's super iffy i mean a lot of these players like james harden it's just kind of feathery where they go i uh i agree 100 with that emmett that that's kind of how that's why i have Kyrie at four being so high on that list is just off of pure skill and talent level um but kyle i also completely agree with you that i need to see Kyrie go out and have some individual success without lebron um before I can solidify him as a great, consistent point guard who is always at the top of the league. Yeah. Um, but but talent talent wise is what was what pushed him up so high for me. I mean, it's just a such a talented, skillful player. And I enjoy watching him play when he is, you know, fully healthy and, and fully there mentally. So that that's that's why I have him up so high. But I can obviously understand you having him, you know, low on that list because Ultimately, what has he proven in, in, you know, having success other than that 2016 championship and that those Cavs runs with LeBron? Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's fun to go through these because of the uh, discrepancies and differences in our list. And it's going to be fun to keep continuing to do the positions. But that kind of wraps this episode up. Uh, guys, I'm so glad that you guys are a part of this now. And I hope that the listeners uh, really enjoyed it. First episode together, uh, just the beginning for us, though, and we do have plans to continue to expand this brand as a whole. We're going to come out with a lot of content for you guys as the season approaches, but for now, you know, we're going to continue on our weekly basis. Um, next week, we'll have shooting guards for you and some other topics as well. Uh, but with that being said, this is the end of episode 22 of the Coast to Coast podcast. We'll see you guys next week.